Live from the capital of the Commonwealth, this is the Sports Huddle with Bob Black on 1061 ESPN. We're also streaming live at ESPNRichmond.com and on the iHeartRadio app. Call in and talk with Bob anytime at 327-0888. Now, here's Bob Black with the Sports Huddle on 1061 ESPN. Halfway through the week, pretty much right on cue at 5 o'clock on a Wednesday afternoon. We've got Monday and Tuesday in the rearview mirror and the rest of Wednesday and Thursday from a sports huddle standpoint to get to. As we had mentioned, no Friday show because of Braves baseball, but that will end the work week on Friday. Uh, college football teams are at it. Uh, saw UVA, Old Dominion, Virginia Tech all getting going. James Madison, uh, Kurt Signetti was sporting, uh, you know, one of those those hats like you wear at the beach, those wide-brimmed hats uh, today out there at uh, JMU for their first practice. Uh, Richmond gets going on Friday. Looking forward to being out there Friday morning. The Spiders have gotten into what I consider a very good habit of practicing in the morning. Obviously, in, in August particularly, you can beat some of the heat, but they'll be out there at 930 on Friday morning is Richmond's first practice, a month uh, out of their first game against Morgan State at Robin Stadium. So kind of exciting times for all of that. Looking forward to seeing some action on the field, and we can leave some of this realignment stuff maybe behind us a little bit. But even during the break there at the top of the hour, I was reading a little bit more on this whole Florida State thing that has resurfaced again today. And if you missed it, they had a board of trustees uh, meeting today and the school president. Uh, and he knew it was public. He obviously knew it was public. Board of trustees meetings, especially at state schools, are certainly public consumption. Richard McCullough, uh, and he was certainly not shy about the situation with Florida State and the ACC. And it sounds like within the next 12 months, barring something unforeseen, Florida State's going to be out. And are they going to the SEC? Are they going to the Big Ten? Are they taking Clemson with them? Are they taking Miami with them, as uh, A.J. mentioned in the in the 4 o'clock hour? Um, and then what will the ACC do beyond that? Of course, this all come, comes down to money. That's the whole thing. But even the, the trustees were all, all in favor of this. They're like, hey, it's not a matter of if, it's when that we're going to leave. And I was reading one of the stories today that went so far as to take a look. Um, Florida State and any other um, ACC school, for that member, matter, has until August 15th to inform the conference if they are intending to leave by July 1, 2024. So they got 13, 12 days, 12 or 13 days if they want to do it now and they have a place to go. But it's the money at that point. It's the grant of rights. It's how much they're going to lose in the TV rights, uh, the exit fee, all of that. And then if if that happens, I, and i got to believe if Florida State goes, somebody's going with them somewhere, then, then where is the ACC turning after that? What do they need to do? to bolster the ACC. They'll still have, what, a dozen teams, right? A, a dozen football teams and 13 in the other sports because of Notre Dame. Do they want to expand and increase again? And who do they look to to do that if that's the case? So around and round we go on the college carousel. Around and round we go on the phone line as well, 804-327-0888. Good evening, Reggie. Thanks for calling. Well, you know, Bob, always an honor and pleasure to the, speak to the future Hall of Famer, Twinkle Toes Bob Black, a.k.a. Hall of Famer, 
of Richmond. I'm calling am, my shot, man. I am I am neither <laughs> one of those, Reggie. I am not a Hall of Famer, <laughs> and I am very definitely not a Twinkle Toes. That's for sure. That's not... That's when I heard at the at the brewery with the pig and, and the bourbon. He was out there. There was your no heels and going no. from bourbon to bourbon and pig doing a great job. Facts. <laughs> that was just a straight no, line from one bourbon booth to another. There was no twinkle toes about it. I ain't mad, you, Bob. But no, on a serious step, if you look at the lower division like the VMIs or either the James Madison. I think we need to start looking at the local schools in the local area and what's going to happen in the future. Case in point, Bob, in your history, did you ever think you would see Hampton and A&T in the Kong Athletic Association? I yeah, know I didn't. I, I don't know, right? I'm not sure I really ever thought about that happening back in the day before all of this happened. I think ge- geographically that makes some sense but i guess the thing and to your point probably right that i never thought i would see happen would be the hbcus leaving the MEAC. i thought that was as solid yeah. a group of schools as as was imaginable and even they have separated because of realignment yeah and see the bottom line is about funding that dr harvey former president of hampton was a visionary that's why he was able to do leaps and bounds and thumb his nose at the MEAC. Tell him, what, I'm going to cut my own deals. I'm going to move to the Big South, and I'm going to move to the CAA because he always wanted to move to the CAA. Yes. So I'm just saying a lot of these, and, and ODU, God bless him. Since that program has took off, I guess, the last 20 years, you cannot tell me it's not affecting recruiting at the Virginia Virginia Tech because they're getting some quad athletes down there. Yeah, and we all said that was going to happen, that when Old Dominion, first of all, added football, and then they moved up quickly from FCS to FBS, uh, of course, as fertile a recruiting ground as the 757 is, we like to refer to the 804, but as the 757 is, yes, that was definitely going to happen, and I would agree, it has certainly impacted what Virginia and Virginia Tech are doing from a recruiting standpoint. Now, Old Dominion's got to get it going a little bit, and I think their move from the Conference USA, which was horrible for them, to the Sun Belt will really help them. Maybe not right away, but eventually it will. Yeah. What's your thoughts on what Coach Mike London's doing at uh, Women Mary? Because that's, I mean, championship last year, you beat Richmond twice. Sorry, no, no salt in the wound. But I'm trying to Coach Mike <laughs> London's doing a heck of a job at William & Mary. Yeah, and I know there were some people that were kind of like, huh, he's going to William & Mary? William & Mary's taking him as their head coach now? He's coming back? Yeah, you know, I heard Defensive the coordinator back. there and all of that. And, yeah, no, and and he, he's done great. Uh, obviously uh, tied for first last year, got to the, uh, what, quarterfinals or semifinals last year of the FCS playoffs, and obviously they're the odds-on yeah. favorite to win the CAA this year. So uh, he's got it going. He's got a veteran team. He's got some guys that we like to talk about are in, like, their 10th year at William & Mary. I don't know how he's done it, but he's got guys that are, like, you know, big-time veterans down there. So so they're going to be good. They're going to be really good. Appreciate it, Bob. Talk to you tomorrow. Thank you, Reggie. Will do. Oh, yeah, you know Reggie's calling tomorrow. I mean, Sean's in tomorrow. That's his guy. It's my guy, too, when Sean Robertson from CBS 6 joins us uh, tomorrow. But, yeah, William & Mary, I mean, they, they've got, they got standout players and veteran players um, all over the place. That's why they're picked to win the CAA. I mean, this guy Bronson Yoder, 
A running back? Like, I, I feel like I've been calling his name since, like, Richmond played at City Stadium, for crying out loud. He, he's been around so long. And John Pius, the defensive end, the linebacker, um, you know, he's as good as they get. Nate Lynn is back for them as well. Those are just some guys off the tip of my tongue. They're they're in solid shape there at uh, at William & Mary. They've, they've obviously figured out their quarterback situation as well. They're, they're going to be really good. And, I mean, you know, we, we have looked at this um, a couple of times already this year, and, and we'll do so again. But you look at their schedule for William & Mary, and there's a couple of dates that you would, uh, you know, like immediately circle on their calendar, and one of them is that game at UVA. Like, they can win that game at UVA. Virginia picked last in the ACC versus William & Mary picked first in the CAA. So think about that one a little bit. They get traditional rivalry games with Hampton and Richmond um, at the end of the year. They got to go to Hampton just down the road. That's a great road game to have, obviously. And then they get Richmond at home this year over there at Zabel Stadium at the end of the regular season on November 18th. So I'm scanning through their schedule. Uh, They open at Campbell, uh, which could be a sneaky good game. I don't know what to make out of Campbell yet. Uh, they're a newcomer to the CAA. That's going to be their first game in the CAA. It's their first game of the season. Uh, the conference certainly didn't do them any favors, those Campbell Camels, uh, did they? That They're playing the first game of the year, their first game in a new conference, and they're playing the preseason favorite. What did they do wrong? Uh, but I guess they'll they'll meet that challenge head on. But they got all those D1 uh, FBS transfers at Campbell. I think it's 25, 27 of them, something like that. And it's a Thursday night game under the lights at Bowie's Creek, North Carolina. It's not like quite being under the lights at Death Valley or anything like that. Um, but I think it'll be an exciting time down there at Campbell for for that opener against William and Mary. So uh, we'll have some we'll have some fun moving forward with that. All right, let's have some fun in the five o'clock hour of the Sports Huddle, shall we? These are this afternoon's top sports stories. I'm sure you'll be fascinated by all the uh, stories you have to tell. This is today's Drive Home Headlines. Drive Home Headlines brought to you by James River Air. If you're not confident in your heating and cooling provider, switch to James River Air. You can save up to 30% online. Check out all the details at jamesriverair.com. We're going to get all the details on a Washington Nationals walk-off victory. Today at Nats Park over the Milwaukee Brewers as the Brewers botched a ground ball in the bottom of the ninth, allowing a couple runs to score, and the Nats came away with a 3-2 to two win this afternoon. They're playing the role of spoiler in the National League. They did it today. Jesse Doherty covers the Nats for the Washington Post. He's going to be on the line with us coming up right after the break, and then we'll be wide open in the final half hour of our program uh, today so we can talk about whatever might be on your mind, Major League Baseball this afternoon, the Braves get an easy win over the Angels. Shohei had a couple of hits, but that was about it for uh, the Angels. Braves won that one 12-5. Acuna had a big day. Riley homered. Olsen hit another home run. He's having a phenomenal year. And the Braves run away from the Angels 12-5. Tigers beat the Pirates 6-3. And the Astros over the Guardians 3-2. Red Sox lead the Mariners 2-0 middle of the fourth. Padres up 4-1 on the Rockies middle of the seventh. Let's talk some Nats baseball after the break with Jesse Doherty from the Washington Post. Joins us next on 1061 ESPN. Us in mind. Follow the Atlanta Braves as they battle for a sixth straight division crown here on 1061 ESPN Richmond. Let's call left side. They're going to come home. Oh, now gets away. Here comes Vargas. Yeah. 
scrappy Nets have done it again. Well, they have been scrappy. They haven't probably done it enough again and again and again this season. But today was one of them when the Nats rallied in the bottom of the ninth to play the role of spoiler against a team that's contending in the National League Central and for the National League wildcard in the Milwaukee Brewers who unraveled in the bottom of the ninth inning and handed the Nationals a 3-2 victory today at Nats Park. We're going to talk some baseball and some Nats baseball this segment. Jesse Doherty covers the Nats for the Washington Post. He joins us from time to time. This is one of those times of this afternoon. It sounded like they just won a game that made them clinch the playoffs or something today, Jesse, but they have been scrappy and they have been gritty, right? Even if they haven't won as much as Nationals fans would like them to, at least they got a so-called curly W today. Yeah, I, I think they've they've been they've been solid at times. I think I think my only you know thought there is sometimes those are words usually used to replace talent. So um, you know when teams are maybe not as invested in or not as well built, we kind of resort to saying that they can scrap by. And more often than not in the major leagues, that that means you're kind of on the wrong end of the result. But today, you know they they hung around, they put together a little rally in the ninth, put the ball in play, which against a guy who throws stuff with a ton of movement and has been really good this year. I mean that's. That's no small thing, especially for some younger hitters. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I think it was a it was a, certainly a fun win for those down there. I, I didn't catch it myself, um, but uh, yeah, the interesting uh, series win, especially against a contending team, as you noted. Absolutely, uh, busy time off the field. That you know, no blockbuster trades. They did make a few moves, and as you pointed out uh, on Twitter at Doherty underscore Jesse. By the way, if you'd like like to follow him, this is the time of year in recent history that the Nationals do start getting busy, isn't it, Jesse? And they start putting some guys out there with a major league club that they want to start taking a look at. Yeah, it was a it was a quieter deadline compared to the last few years. So they only ended up making one deal, um, but. Aside from that, they've they're sort of shuffling the roster a bit at the major league level. In the last hour or so, they they uh, released Corey Dickerson, who's a veteran left fielder, and they also optioned Luis Garcia, who is sort of supposed to be part of the core, the next core that contends and has really struggled both offensively and defensively. So we'll see about three to four new faces in the roster, and I think you know what, what happens down the stretch here, especially with the small roster expansion in September, is start to kind of get more guys from the minors up. You start to sort of get uh, more new faces, whether they're waiver claims or guys you got in trades or, or, or maybe others who have just come through the system over the years. And so this year, that, that group is Jake Alou at their base. It's going to be infielder Jeter Downs. It's going to be outfielder Blake Rutherford, who's a former first-round pick, who the Nationals signed to a minor league deal before this season, and has really, he's really excelled in AAA. And then the, the pitcher that they claim yesterday from the Miami Marlins is, is Robert Garcia, a left-handed pitcher who's also has really good AAA numbers. So... You know, they're banking on some guys who've shown some pretty good you know, performance in the upper level of the minors to continue that in the majors. We obviously know how big of a leap that is, so that's never a given. But it uh, can't hurt to give some auditions out, especially in the last two months of what's you know, shaping up to be another down year overall results-wise. Hey, Jesse, I, I kind of pride myself on following a lot of this stuff in Major League Baseball, whether it's the Nationals or any other team. But I, I kind of missed this one back in spring training, I guess it was. Uh, I want to mention a couple of the younger guy names that, that you talked about. But Jeter Downs, I remember him being with the Red Sox, right, because of the Jeter yeah. connection and Derek Jeter. How did how sure. the Nats wind up with him? He was a waiver claim. So when uh-huh. he got he got DFA'd by the Red Sox in a roster shuffle, Obviously, um, a top prospect. He came over. He, he ended up with them in the Mookie Betts trade, which is, I think, part of why he was a big name, too, because he's part of this blockbuster deal that everyone was talking about nationally. And 
and then he's in a crunch over the winter. They DFA him because the Nationals had the worst record in baseball last year. They had the worst. They had the first waiver spot. So mm. you sort of by, by losing a lot, you earn yourself the first hack at any available player on the waiver wire over and over and over. You don't you don't sort of sneak back to the end. Maybe like in a fantasy football league, you have to just stay in that top waiver spot. And because of that, I mean, assuming that some other teams maybe wanted give a shot to Downs despite his AAA and major league results in a very small sample. Nationals were able to be that first team with the option and gave him a shot. So, you know, he's, he hasn't been great down in the minors this year. He's AAA slash line leaves a lot to be desired, but he's on the 40-man. I think the move generally is more to get Garcia to the minors than it is to get down to the majors, but he ends up just being <laughs> that next guy in line to get a chance. Absolutely. And then another guy that you mentioned I know I know you like a lot, uh, the youngster Jake Alou. Uh, what can you tell us about him? I guess uh, he had his first RBI today for the Nats. Yeah, he's he's had run scoring hits in the last two games and he's uh you know, he's he's an interesting one. He's a twenty former twenty fourth round pick. It's a round that doesn't even exist anymore. And um, you know, Nationals haven't really developed many guys or drafted many guys beyond the first round, maybe the first couple rounds that have ended up in the majors and so to Sort of bring along a long shot, so to speak, uh, a guy who you maybe don't expect to develop and and have him sort of thrive in your system. And he's hit at every level he's been at. Triple um, A, not excluded, even though he's slumped a bit this summer after a, a quick taste of the majors earlier in, in the year. Um, he's he's a really solid player. He's he's a sharp defender at third. He can he, he can he despite you know his smaller size, he has some pop and and his bat to ball skills is kind of what his calling card is. So swing decisions plus contact ability are kind of where he thrives, so we'll see if he can continue that in the majors. Again, it gets it gets a lot harder. I mean, that jump, it's the biggest jump. Uh, high A to double A is a big jump. Double A to triple A is a big jump. Triple A to the majors is a massive jump. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's, it'll be interesting. But, but what he'll get now is everyday opportunities. And, you know, because of this rebuild that's gone on for a few years now, the Nationals have had an opportunity to give guys these chances in bulk. And in the case of Joey Manessis, in the case of Wayne Thomas, in the case of Kyle Finnegan, it's worked out that they've got found some everyday players. Now, for all for for those three guys, there's a dozen or more or so others who have not worked out. So it's not like everyone just hits because they get a chance. But you do have an opportunity to sort of give guys a longer audition and a longer look than they maybe would get with a with a better team, with a contending team. So that is sort of one small virtue of the rebuilding process. Mm-hmm. Jesse, obviously the guys that we've just been talking about that they're shuffling in now, they'll get you know a smaller sample size, a couple of months, but they'll still get a smaller sample size than some of these guys that you alluded to that have been there all year and kind of cutting their teeth. How do the Nats feel uh, that those guys have, have performed and kind of gotten their feet wet at the major league level? Yeah, I mean, it's mixed results, and I think that's expected. Like, you know, with the guy like Garcia, he's going to now go get a reset in AAA, and that's obviously not what you want. And then you look at another guy like C.J. Abrams, shortstop, 22 years old, who's taken a really big jump this season. And then, you know, and there's you can go kind of get on the list. Like, Josiah Gray was an all-star, and his ERA is pretty good, but some of his underlying stats, whether it's whether it's hits allowed or uh, whether it's walks, have not been as, as desirable. And then Gabriel Ruiz has shown flashes on offense. His defense is really lagged behind, so he's got to improve there. So, I mean, I think with any young players, especially guys who are kind of learning in the majors, which is typically hard to do, you're going to have good, good and bad, and I think that's what we've seen. Um, so it's, you know, I think Abrams probably is in the brightest spot. He's had a really, really, really good July, especially past the All Star break. Ever since he moved to the Leal spot, he's been playing with his hair on fire, and it's been really fun to watch. So he's probably the one that stands out. And then there's, you know, again, like on the other side of that is Garcia, who, you know, you, you really did not want to see go down to AAA this year if you're the Nationals, but they felt like given the recent results and where he's at, they needed to do that. 
Jesse Doherty from the Washington Post visiting with us, talking some baseball this afternoon on the Sports Huddle. Um, so you mentioned that the trade deadline, that the Nats were not, you know, overly busy. Uh, no blockbuster headline deals. As you looked around Major League Baseball, um, what were your thoughts as 6 o'clock hit yesterday afternoon? We obviously did have some big names that got moved, but did anything particularly strike your fancy that, that you think will totally impact what we're going to see in September and October? Yeah, I thought it was a kind of a quieter deadline overall, especially the day of. I think the fact that, uh, you know, Max Scherzer kind of domino fell before the deadline. I, I know Verlander's a huge move, but um, aside from those two big pitchers, obviously some, some teams, you know, the, the Angels are really fascinating to me because they're going for it and trying to maximize this two more months of Shohei Otani. And um, the Mets are fascinating because their experiment, their high spending experiment didn't work this year. Um, but yeah, overall, it seems like with the expanded playoffs, teams are kind of almost caught between buying and selling. It's like, you kind of can see a path to the to the playoffs and getting in the dance if you don't really over you know make your roster and and give away some prospects and or you're already sort of in the mix and you don't feel like you need to go crazy because the teams behind you aren't really improving that much. So it didn't feel like the kind of deadline like last year with the Padres who went all in by getting Brandon Drury and Juan Soto and Josh Hader in one big one big sort of swoop and or, or some other teams. It kind of felt like a quieter like even some of the major teams like whether it's the Braves or some others kind of held almost stood pat and just kind of said, we're going to go with what we have already and see where it takes us. So that made for sort of not quite the frenzy we usually see, like fewer relievers change teams than I would have thought. Um, the White Sox didn't trade some of their main pieces in the way I would have thought. So uh, it was it was compelling in its own way because, you know, it always is when contenders are adding new pieces and, and some teams are choosing to buy or sell. But, but it didn't have that same punch, I think, as, as usual deadlines. Jesse, I'm uh, I'm a little bit older uh, and have followed baseball a, a little bit, maybe even a, a lot longer. And there are a couple of tradition-rich teams that haven't been very good of late and are this year. And I've been making the argument that baseball is better when Baltimore is good and when Cincinnati is good. I realize they are not major market franchises by any stretch of the imagination. But even a little bit, would you buy into that, that that baseball can say, hey, we're having a pretty good year when we get teams like Cincinnati and Baltimore who are back good again at the top of their divisions? For sure. And, you know, and, and frankly, like those are the teams that, like, I think as a fan, and you're mentioning that, like, they're sort of like more of maybe the legacy teams that have been around for a long time. Maybe you were hoping to see them kind of take a little bit more of a swing at the deadline because, hmm. I mean, they're not – they certainly are still flawed, and, and maybe, maybe their GMs see that they're – you know, a, week, a year or two away in the window they actually projected, so that maybe they shouldn't be hitting the, the gas. Um, you know, the Orioles added Jack Flaherty, and that does address a need for them because they their pitching is thin and, and their rotation is thin. But um, I think, like, both those teams are such fun young talent, and, you know, any year you're in the mix or in first place or have a chance to go to the playoffs, like, we've seen, like, in some recent years, like, the Nationals were a wild-card team and the Phillies were a wild-card team, and they – and the Nationals won the World Series in 2019 as a wildcard team. And the Phillies made the World Series last year as a wildcard team. You don't have to necessarily be an 105-win club to make noise in October. So I kind of I kind of felt like I wished some of those legacy teams that aren't as big spenders maybe took some bigger swings in the rental market. And I think maybe on, you know for the Orioles in particular, um, you know they're – they're sort of like patience or not giving up those top prospects, you know, could look good years from now, but you also may look back and say, look, that's maybe a weaker year where not a lot of teams retooled a bunch of the deadline. And we kind of missed our shot to take a big swing and, and, and push our chips into the, in the, in the middle of the pot. So um, I was kind of, I was maybe a little disappointed by that, but mm-hmm. I guess I understand it from a long-term view perspective, but I, I'm glad you brought those two teams up because they're pretty fascinating, and, but I don't know if they got 
better to the point yesterday to like actually feel like they're real legitimate contenders this season. Uh, they're in it for now, that's for sure. But yeah, I would I would agree with you. They didn't make the the major moves that maybe they could have uh, in this situation. But fascinating to watch both of them as as we move along. Mm-hmm. Hey, I'll finish up with you. Obviously, for the Nationals, it's all about them. They want to develop these players. They want to get them better. Uh, they want to be able to win and compete in twenty four and twenty five. Is there anything to this? Let's play the role of the spoiler. Deal. I, I think you hear that a lot more, maybe in like college basketball or something like that, college football. Yeah. But in, in baseball, is there anything? Because they're going to play. You know, these teams like today. You know, they spoiled a day for the Milwaukee. Although the Brewers had a lot to do with spoiling that day themselves. Yeah, I mean, I think more than anything, it's like these are a bunch of young guys who want to prove themselves. When you fill your clubhouse with young players who don't have guaranteed spots next season or don't have guaranteed contracts beyond their team control years, you're going to get guys motivated to win. So. Maybe more than like specifically being spoilers to the direct team across me. Like we're going to try and spoil the Mets or the British or the Phillies, whatever it may be. I think it's mostly just like the motivated clubhouse because those guys are not like ordained or they're not sort of like comfortable in what they have yet. I mean, if you went down the list, there's very few guys in there that have, you know, obviously they all have pretty good financial assurance at the moment. They're on, even if they're on the major league minimum, but they don't have that assurance. Maybe a veteran does. But they don't have the major contract yet. So I think you'll see that more than anything where they'll hang around in games like today because. You know, they want to sort of prove themselves and make sure they have a spot next spring training where the team's saying, you know, you're going to have a spot until you lose it instead of you to go earn it again. That's, that's a major difference come February. So I think that's mostly what they're playing for. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. Jesse, good stuff this afternoon. I uh, hope the Nationals finish strong and you finish strong as well uh, with Appreciate the season. Uh, and we'll catch up with you as we head down the home stretch. Great. Thanks so much. Jesse Doherty, Washington Post, uh, covers the Nats for the Post and uh, appears with us uh, pretty regularly. Uh, you can follow him at Doherty underscore Jesse on Twitter and WashingtonPost.com slash sports. And right here on 106.1 ESPN on the Sports Huddle. We're right at the bottom of the hour. We will come back about a half hour to go on a Wednesday afternoon, and we will do that with you after a timeout on 106.1 ESPN. Miss out on a feel-good Thursday with Bob Black or Jamie's thoughts on South Beach Rob's shirt. Never fear. You can find replays of all our shows and interviews on our website at ESPNRichmond.com or on the iHeartRadio app. Just search 1061 ESPN. Talking baseball with Jesse Doherty covering the Nationals and Major League Baseball. I think I'd rather have Chelsea Jane's job right now than Jesse Doherty's um, because she covers all of Major League Baseball, so she can go see some really good games if she'd like. Whereas Jesse's pretty much stuck with the Nats. I'm sounding like Matt a little bit here. Like it, it's got to be hard. Says the Phillies fan. Well, I'm in it. I, I'm in it to win it at this point, and no no team has been more frustrating. Than that one, not not frustrating in your sense. I, I get it in your sense. That's a that's a whole different level of overall frustration. The Phillies' frustration. Gee, I'm glad you brought that up, AJ. Why not? You know, I could talk about that uh, on end for sure. But I have never seen. Like, here's my hope. This is like my glass half full scenario. They're doing fine, right? They're they're fine. They're they're really on the same course that they were last wow. year. I called this climb back, man. I called it. You did. I know, right from the opening of the show. Uh, all right, right. Like a month ago. Yes, you did. You did. And here's what impresses me the most about this is they're they're in a good shape, right? They're in the wild card right now. It's just what they almost identical 
to where they were statistically last year. And, of course, that turned out great. They win the National League. They take the World Series to, to six games. That that You would sign up for that it's right now looking if you could. good. You are not right. in the parking lot eating ice cream sandwiches like my Mets are. Well, I'm going to do that tonight probably. But, you know, anyway. Um, but – you know, I watch them religiously, night in and night out. And I watch other games and other teams as well. Like, the Brewers would have totally dri- driven me nuts today, losing to the Nationals on a routine ground ball to third in the bottom of the night. So, that you know, that kind of thing would. But in watching the Phillies day in and day out, I've never really seen a team that has so many legit stars. And I mean legit stars that even the biggest Phillies detractor would say he's a really good player. I don't like him. I hate him, whatever, but he's a really good player. And they have a boatload of them. And I have never seen a team where all of them are missing at the same time. And that's what's happened. And somehow they're still nine games over 500. Like their role players have done a good job of kind of piecing it together. They've had really good pitching. They're certainly proving the axiom that defense, you know, wins championships, defense and pitching. Their defense hasn't been that great, but pitching has been great for the most part for the Phillies. But so there's my hope. If you could get like Trey Turner has been one of the worst players in baseball this year. He's my all like in the last five years, he's been my favorite player in baseball for every team he played for, whether it was the Nationals or the Dodgers, and everybody would concur. This guy's a great, right up through the World Baseball Classic this spring when he was hitting home runs to win games for the Americans. I mean, he was 100% on his game, and he has been so terribly bad. It's, It's like the Philly fans who are known for their booing have waited as long as humanly possible before they boo. Even his own mother said he'd be booing her son at this point, the way he's played. So it's just, it, that's inexplicable. And then Castellanos has been terrible since the All-Star break, other than last night when the ball hit his bat and he hit a two-run homer. Uh, Harper has not hit for power. Rhea Milto has been very up and down and very sluggish with the... So all these guys are having bad years, basically, and yet they're still where they need to be. So my hope, A.J., at some point, they have all got to be good at the same time. It's right. just it, it's just right. It's just the law of averages. It's just the baseball guys. At some point, they've all got to play to their potential, and I can only hope that that's in October well, for these guys. I got a flip side to that coin, Bob. Check this for a hot take. The NL is soft. Why do you say that? They are soft. They well, are soft. All right, let's look at it. All right, the Braves... Braves are doing their thing. They look dominant, but you know, yep. I yep. don't, I don't yep. know. Got to yep. show me in the postseason. Yep. All right. The Reds are all right. They're a legit team. The Brewers, I think they just showed what's what. The Cubs, come on. Yeah. Dodgers aren't really. I'm just saying. No, I, you're right. As a as a Mets fan who who hates your team, I have seen the Phillies just get it together and plow through people, and I just know that the Phillies are going to end up playing like the the, the Brewers or the Reds or the, it's just going to they're murder them. They're going to murder them and move on and I'm be like I there they are. So. The Phillies, that that's who I've seen for the last 20 years. 
Oh, it has not. They've been terrible in the last 20 years. Give me a break. They, 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 they get, You're every, hallucinating here as a Mets fan. You're hallucinating. Every time I'm, that Beltran just watching the ball go back, I will always be haunted by that. Every time we got a team going, the Phillies just come back. Oh, and, come on. They do, they're do. they losing his team in the history of baseball. Give me a break. Oh, you and you and Matt. I, how do you know? Well, and I've lived with it a lot longer than he has, by the way, as well. So, I like, I have enjoyed the last couple of years, but I'm still, like, a wreck during these games right now. And I, I think I heard them say on the game last night, uh, and this is part of the beauty of it, but it, it's also when you're going through it, it it's gut-wrenching. I think 13 of their last 17 games have been two-run games. But, yeah. yeah. So that, I mean, it's great for the sport and for the game, but, you know, you can understand where oh, you're coming from. you're not destroying people. That I do know. But you, you, you guys have grit. You guys have grit. You have experience. That matters in the postseason, dude. I, the, the Reds, the Braves, the Brewers, I don't feel it. I, I don't feel it as, as – like, one of them will overachieve in this postseason, but only one. The other two yeah. will not. I don't know yeah. who that is. You and know – the Dodgers have been there. The Giants can maybe put together some stuff. But, I mean, you've got, what, one team, the Cubs, have, like, eight wins, two losses. Everybody else is around that 500. Like and I'm six with four. you. I, I think the American League, you know, first of all, the entire American League East is stronger. They're yeah. all over 500. I know the Yankees have struggled and they can't hit their way out of a wet paper bag. But Baltimore, Tampa Bay, and I really like that Toronto team. They, they've hit a little skid right now, but but they're because they're playing the Orioles, so they're playing a really good team. Uh, and, and again, the Central and the American League, like the Central and the National League, is very mediocre at best. But Texas and Houston are really good, and I think Seattle's better than their record. And the Angels, if they get Mike Trout back from the injury with Otani, you know, that, that's an intriguing story. I'm with you on the American League, at least on paper right now, looking a little stronger than the National League. And I haven't even brought up how your Mets lost last night. It doesn't matter at this point. I get it. I do. But it was a balk-off. Not a walk-off last night. A balk-off. Dude, I mean, if you know, <laughs> when you when you kick a decomposing horse, <laughs> you're just getting your shoes dirty, all right? <laughs> Yeah, I get it. But believe me, I feel for you. We've been there. I, no love lost for the Mets. Don't get me wrong, but I I do get it. So they balked home the winning run. Well, how bad? So how bad? A twenty four hours is that for them? They trade Justin Verlander to the Astros. A fellow Astro pitcher throws a no hitter, and the Mets lose on a balk to the worst team in baseball, to the to the Kansas City Royals. Yeah. I got a few texts. I didn't even watch the game. I got a few texts. Just things it. like typical. And I'm like, yeah. what? What could have possibly happened? And then I saw them. Like, really? Really? You don't have to watch them any longer. Even for this show, even for purposes of this show, you don't have to watch them. Because we just won't talk about it. Bob, I watched the Phillies game. Uh, good. So did I. I got you. I'll be watching again tonight for sure. Uh, and they're not the worst. Kansas City, just for the record, is not the worst team in baseball. That's Oakland. But Kansas City's second. They're both really bad. Anyway, all right. Uh, good fun stuff there. Um, when we take a break here, AJ, how about we? since you, you did a great job of lining this up and you, you mentioned some kicker stuff, let's give the uh, audience, let's give the folks a little preview of what we got going tomorrow on the other side of the, the timeout. Uh, and I've obviously mentioned Sean Robertson will be in with us. Got a little high school talk going, but also a little kicker soccer talk. And that that's right up AJ's wheelhouse.
Uh, so we'll fill you in on who's going to be with us and all that kind of stuff and what's coming up with the kickers because they've done a great job, just as the Squirrels have this year as well with uh, Richmond's in first place in the second half in the Eastern League. So uh, our two professional teams here in the summer uh, doing a nice job. So some kickers talk to wrap it up on a Wednesday afternoon after a break on the Sports Huddle 1061 ESPN. Braves are rolling with their sights set on a sixth straight division title and their second championship in three years. Catch the action here on 1061 ESPN Richmond, your home for the Atlanta Braves in the capital city. Capital City has been home to some really good professional sports action. Uh, this summer, the Flying Squirrels, we have detailed that and what they've done. They really picked it up since the end of the first half and into the second half, and they're in first place in their division in the Eastern League. And then the uh, Richmond Kickers having another uh, good year, and they've got a couple of big home games coming up. And we've got a unique opportunity, A.J., and thanks to you for for digging on this one tomorrow. We, we've done interviews, obviously, with the kickers, primarily with Darren Sawatsky, with their head coach, um, almost always, from what I can remember, you know, on the phone, which is certainly fine. We're an audio medium. It makes no difference there, really. But we get an opportunity to get a Richmond kicker live and in person with us tomorrow, don't we? Not just a Richmond kicker, but <laughs> star defender and my favorite player on the team, Nathan Ani. Why is he your favorite player? Oh, I mean, come on. The audience right now is like, we, we all know. Defense, baby. Defense. <laughs> and let me tell you something. I was pulling up some clips just to get ready. There's this really good goal that he did. He came all the way across the field, knocked it in. It was beautiful. He is he is a tremendous player. And uh, unlike a lot of soccer players, huge sports fan. Likes, likes, likes all different types of things. Loves all different types of sports. He is actually coming in tomorrow early to learn how to do my job. He, <laughs> he's a very introspective individual and loves to get his fingers on a lot of pies and destroy Maybe he'd like people. to do my job, too. That would be okay. I don't know. We'll try that. We'll give that. We, a, he will. He'll, we could switch seats. Don't tempt him. That's don't tempt fine. Him. Uh, let me go back to something. Is that a real thing? Soccer players don't like other sports? Most, what the heck is yeah, that? mostly. I mean, really? I, I don't know. Maybe it's less of a stigma now, but growing up, I was a huge football player, American football, and all my soccer people and everybody that played soccer, just they, that, it was soccer, soccer, soccer's life. Maybe that's another reason I don't like soccer, because I wish they would like the sports that I like, and they don't. Yeah, to to the defense, you know, they they've been considered a secondary sport in this country, so, you know. Huh. Tit for tat. Interesting. I I I did not know that. Let and they got a big they got a big home match coming up this uh, Saturday night, right? Uh-huh. The okay, the Henny Derby. Man, this is the big rivalry game. Uh it was created by both clubs to uh support black culture within soccer, which is a big a big talking point. Sure. And the winner gets a a trophy modeled after a Hennessy bottle. I can or either, is it actually a Hennessy bottle? Well, I can neither confirm nor deny that there is probably there is another trophy that it gets uh consumed, we'll say. So, but uh for for the outside of the shadows, it is a trophy modeled after a Henny bottle. Now that's why I would like soccer players. Mm-hmm. I like that. That uh, that that's great. All right, so that's Saturday night, Forward Madison FC. And that's their rival. Well, there's is, two, but that's one of their big rivals. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and then they've got they got 
back-to-back home games, right? Because mm-hmm. they're back Wednesday night against North Carolina. Their other rival. FC. Their other, yep. I was going to guess that that was probably their other rival. Right? It, it is a huge, huge, huge back-to-back. It's at home. Uh, we need both wins. The Richmond will explode if we pull out both wins. It will, it'll pretty much put us in the playoffs. And if it goes the other way, well, we're not going to talk about that. But the this is the time to jump on board, especially Saturday. It's going to be an insane week. I've been I've everything going on with me. I've missed going to the games the last month and a half. I am now freed up. I'm so jacked for this week. Awesome. That they would need to get another large crowd out there. They've been amazing with the crowds. Uh, and this is a good stretch for them. They've got, I think, uh, four more home games and at least three of them, the two we talked about, and then Saturday 19th, before most of the kids go back to school. And even if they're in school, Saturday is a Saturday. It's the 19th. Wednesday the 30th is their final regular season home game. That one's a little different. Most, most kids are in school now before Labor Day. Don't get me started on that, but they are in school before Labor Day now. But other than that, this is a good stretch for them, right, because I guess they got seven left and four of them are at home. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. and it's really exciting. And they're 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 trying to pick up some pieces. They've they've done a lot of moves. It's been interesting. They've they've I've seen some differences in the games that they've come out and played. I've been watching on the live feed, and mm-hmm. I don't know, man. I'm feeling pretty confident. And then when Good. we get in, we get in. That's all it takes. Well, we'll find out tomorrow when uh, Nathan Ani. Ani, Ani will join us. Ani will join us. Uh, he's got four goals, one assist this season. Um, he's been in almost every game. Started 39 of 59 league matches. Um, I'm reading the notes from you guys here. Captain, captain's armband. Um, one of the captains, anyway, uh, for the kickers. So looking forward to meeting him. I like the idea. We'll get him in person tomorrow. I'm sure Sean Robertson will be excited about that with us, too, as he does a good job of covering the kickers. And then Rob Witham is going to join us on the phone, not in the studio. We used to bring Rob in the studio back in the good old days when we were in our other studio. Uh, Rob would come in and uh, uh, sit. Be- he'd, he'd be the rose between two thorns. He'd sit between Andrew Wallace and me when we did the Black and Drew sports huddle and did our RVA locals only. And we talked a lot of local sports, and he knows high school sports as well as Sean and Lane. Those three are the uh, leaders in the field for sure. So Rob's going to be joining us tomorrow to get some previews of high school football games as well with uh, Sean Robertson from CBS 6. So looking forward to that so big August, tomorrow afternoon. Yeah. Big August in RVA. It is. Between um, you know, high school football getting going, the kickers, uh, the squirrels will be making their push to the postseason. I still can't use the fact they play through most of September now. When I was doing minor league baseball eons ago, it was done on September 1. You would have the playoffs for about 10 days after that, but for all intents and purposes, you were done. And now their schedule takes them into the middle of the regular season, into the middle of September. So they've still got a ways to go. So you'll still have time to get out. I need to get out there. And and see them. Yeah, they're, they're home. They, I mean, they're not home every week, obviously, but um, they, they've still got probably another six weeks to go in their in their regular season, which is certainly different than, than back in the day, like I said, when I was doing – doing minor league baseball and you know, I, was, I was thinking about this aj um you mentioned soccer players who don't like other sports i was always amazed when i was doing triple a minor league baseball how many baseball players would say eh, i don't really like baseball i don't follow it i just play it but <laughs> i don't follow it i actually i've heard that too yeah 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 it's football I mean, I, football and basketball players pretty much like a lot of different sports yeah yeah, but the baseball guys who said they didn't really watch baseball. Like, I was, you know, obviously huge into baseball. I was really young back then. I'm like, what? You don't like baseball? And you're playing back? Just, it was hard for me to comprehend that. But 
I, it's still hard for me to comprehend that. Actually, of course, that's I, your I, that's your that's your that's, baby. That's the thing. But so is college football and the NFL and college basketball. We got all that coming up um, as we move into the into the fall. So, Any of these I, teams going to bring us a championship? Any of which teams? All of them. Spiders, squirrels. We hope so. We hope they do. That's the goal. I think the spiders are going to be good. We'll, we'll see. I, I I probably say that every year, and part of me is paid to say that, but I don't think I would say that if I really didn't believe it because then you wouldn't have much credibility by the time you got to November. Um, but I, I like their pieces. I like their experience and their depth for an FCS team. Uh, we'll start to find out on, on Friday with that. All right. Does it for us today. Darrell Owens joined us. Legacy Maker Sports Network in the 4 o'clock hour covering the Commanders camp and the Ravens camp this week. So we got the lowdown on that. Jesse Darty from the Washington Post in the 5 o'clock hour as we talk some Nationals and Major League Baseball. Uh, join us tomorrow. We'll do the local scene, the high school football local scene with Sean Robertson from CBS 6 and Rob Witham from the RVA Sports Network. And then Kickers Talk in the 5 o'clock hour with our in-studio guest tomorrow afternoon. AJ, thanks. Talk to you tomorrow. Sports Auto at 4 o'clock right here on 106.1 ESPN from in-studio. It's hot outside now, but football's